I'm continuing my studies in 1 Peter. We'll be in chapter 2, beginning in verse number 11, if you want to follow along in your Bible. I have most of these verses on the, on the PowerPoint, so uh, if you'd like to watch up here, uh, feel free. The, Nero is still, uh, still the head honcho of Rome. Uh, Peter is addressing this letter to a group of Christians that are uh, south of the... Uh, Not the Mediterranean, I just went black. The Black Sea. Sorry about that. Uh, submission is, I, if I had to give it a topic today, submission would be, would be what, what Peter is addressing his group of Christians about. Uh, he, he's reminded them in the previous chapter about, about Jesus Christ, about the sacrifice that was made for their sins. And this is a... I mean, submission is, isn't something that we speak on very often. It's we don't we don't have slaves in this country, and the way society is has shifted, submission isn't something that that uh, that happens. You know, we're all we're all equal. We all have a voice, and we all have the right to to use that voice, whether it be right or wrong. And if you don't agree with it, you need to keep your mouth shut. So submission isn't something that's generally talked about very often. Uh, but to think about the situation that these Christians are under, the persecution, uh, Christianity being a new religion, if you would, uh, it, it's something very important. We're going we're gonna to begin in verses number 11 and 12. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. We begin there in verse number 11 where it talks about this fleshly lust. Um, this isn't, whenever we, we say fleshly lust, we usually want to think of sexual immorality. And that's not necessarily what this is talking about. This fleshly lust is, is, is more. It's what you desire. The, you know, the, the body weighs war against the soul. We, we read this in several different scriptures. And what Peter is, is telling this group is, you know, those things that, that pull you, that you lust after, you know, I, I at one point in time, whenever I was a young man, I lusted after a Chevelle SS, about a 68 model. It was tan and had dark brown racing stripes, and it was in White Deer, Texas, and I wanted that car. I really did. I, we, I, I was with Mom. We were, we were going to Amarillo for something. I think she was making me buy more clothes or something. But anyway, on the way back through, I was 15 at the time, 14, 15, and it was sitting there for sale, and I had the money. I mean, I could have afforded this car, but that's about all I could have afforded because the insurance would have killed me. But that was something I really wanted. I mean, I desired to have that car. And uh, obviously, I did not get that car. But what do you lust after? You know, that's what Peter is trying to, to get to his readers is abstain from those things. I mean, we're... We live in this world, and there's certain things that we're going to lust after, that we're going to want. But in the end, I mean, if this isn't your home, 
as a Christian, if this world is not your home, why lust after those things? Why put those things above our Heavenly Father? Verse number 12 says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. We have to live in this world. Uh, we are surrounded by worldly people, people whose souls are, are losing that war. You know, they're, they're giving in to those fleshly lusts. And at this time, this, how these Christians conducting themselves is, is very crucial to their surroundings. I mean, uh, Nero has, has just accused the Christians of burning down Rome. You know, the Jews don't like them. Jews hate them, and that's part of the reason they're so away, far away from the Holy Land, from Jerusalem at the time, is the persecutions that they're facing. So their, their lives are under a microscope. And I want you to think about your lives. I mean, as far as the world is concerned right now, a Christian is a Christian no matter what. No matter what, what, uh, what denomination, so to speak, that you, you uh, associate yourself with, you're, you're a Christian. You know, there's, there's televangelists on TV. There's, uh, you know, we, we talk about good works and, and helping those who are in need. Uh, one of the most highest-paid speakers or preachers, whatever you want to call him, just a little side note from the lesson, he's worth $750 million. And to have somebody that wealthy and still preaching that you need to do something to help the poor, you know, uh, one of the most common ones, you know, among those guys is, you know, you send me money, I'll pray for you, and God will bless you. And that's how they get to worth <laughs> There were 750 million. And he's just one that's here in the state of Texas. There's another one that's worth a little over 50 million. Another one down in Houston that's not far behind him. So think about the name, the image that you have. You know, around here as a Christian, we, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that, that aren't going to, we're not going to be persecuted. Not where we live, not right now. But there's a lot that are out there that are further on the coast here in the United States that, that do face a persecution, that do face being scrutinized by, by those that are around about them. Peter's telling them to live their lives in a way that shows unbelievers that these accusations are wrong. You know, that, that they... That they uh, that they are conducting themselves in a way that, that glorifies God. You know, they're, they're being that, that light unto the world. We go on to verses 13 through 15. And this is where we, we really get into this submission. Verse number 13, it says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them, that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praises of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with, that with well-doing ye may be 
you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free and not having using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as for the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. We don't, a lot of people, we don't, we don't like the state that our government is in right now. Uh, you know, we, you, you could call some of us a conspiracy theorist. I don't, I don't know, but uh, the situation isn't what a Christian would so much like to see for their country. Uh, not just with the uh, presidency and the people that he has appointed, appointed over us, but also with the politicians that are supposed to be representing you. Peter is telling them that no matter what the situation is with the government, with Nero, with those that are appointed over this land, submit. And that's kind of kind of an odd odd thing to say because as a Christian, you would think that you know this the situation isn't going how you would want to go. You know we're not these are unchristian like people. I'm telling you to submit to them. It doesn't make any sense if you stand as a Christian and for the morals of a Christian. Why submit to a government, to a power that resembles nothing like a Christian? So this, this, is, kind of, this is kind of weird, I guess you'd say, that Peter's asking them to do so. But uh, I would tell you, what, what attracts honey better? Or bees, I would say, honey. I mean, you're going to have a sweet-smelling flower, you know, or, or a dozer. You know, I've, I just recently experienced bees, and I would tell you that a dozer will, will attract bees better than what honey would, or a flower. But the point I'm making is that it is better to submit and for them to see those good works as a Christian than to sit there and balk and complain and grope and, and get that negative... Uh, name for yourself. You know, whenever whenever I say Bever Dukes to the community, what do they say? Well, that's just, I mean, every, every time we try to do something, he's over there complaining. You know, he says this and he says that and it's just not good. Or do you say, well, well, Bever said this and they're like, yeah, you know, he's a good man. You know, he he's a good Christian man. He's honest. You know, if he he has a good name for himself by the way that he uh, shows himself to the community. He is that lot. You know, he, he's somebody that you can look up to and say, that is, a, that is a truly an honorable man. Instead of saying, well, you know, oh, Bevard, you know what he does. Peter's urging these Christians to be that lot in times of darkness, to endure these persecutions these, these, the things that their government is doing and be that example. He's asking them to be an example unto the world that's round about them. Like I said, our, our citizenship is not here on this earth, but it's in heaven. You know, so if you gripe and you complain while you're here on this earth, is it going to change your situation in heaven? 
or is being that example and bringing somebody else to Christ going to change it more? Verse 17, it says, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. In Acts 5, verse number 29, it says, And Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. So now we have a little bit of a, a, a controversy here, but I believe what Peter is telling these Christians is you put God first in your life and you be that shining light. This next section uh, that we're going to look at talks about submitting ourselves to our masters. Now, we don't, we don't have slavery, but most of us in here have a boss, or at least somebody that we answer to. Unless you're self-employed, and then you, you answer to whoever it is that you're selling a product to. So, moving on to verses number 18 through 20, it says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to good and gentle, but also to the forward. For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience for conscious towards God endureth grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it, if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. This, uh, the road of... Uh, Uh, forward in verse number 18. Uh, forward is not nice. You know, I mean, you, you have that boss that just should not uh, be the boss of anybody. I don't know if anybody's ever had one. I had one for a short time. But he's telling them, even though, I mean, even if they're a good, a good master, if they're a good boss or whether they're wrong, you know, Treat them the same. Treat them with the respect and honor that that they they, they should be given. Uh, I learned this in the military that you don't you don't respect the person you respect the rank. You know, I had I had a boss at one time. He outranked me by quite a bit. Uh, he had no business being in Iraq, but he was put in the position to be over me, and we give him the due respect uh, that he deserved. And that's how we need to look at these bosses. As, as, I mean, you have the opportunity to go get another job somewhere else, but while they are your boss, he's telling them to treat them with respect. Treat them with the respect that uh, you would no matter what kind of boss they were. No matter what your situation, uh, let it be the same. Whether, uh, you know, we should be submissive whether our situation is fair or not. And he says this is acceptable with God. Verse 21 and 23 says, For, e- for even hereunto we were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, 
but committeth himself to him that judges righteously. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto, unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were all as sheep going astray, but are ye now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Peter gives an example of Christ here, and yes, he did suffer, and it was unwarranted, but it's not right for us to, to get a picture of someone who, um, who never spoke out, you know, who, who didn't speak out against those that were wrong. Uh, we know that Jesus, uh, he rebuked the scribes and the Pharisees, and at times he ran away from being imprisonment for those who were seeking to arrest him. Uh, but I, I don't believe that's quite what Peter is, is getting at. If you have a Bible, if you would, we got a, a reading. If you would, turn to Isaiah chapter 53 with me. Uh, Peter's known uh, throughout doing this study. He refers a lot to the Old Testament, and I believe that's because of his Jewish background and the, the people that he's addressing in this. But Isaiah chapter 53, it says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, nor comeliness, and, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow, sorrows, and acquainted with, with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But it would... But he was wounded for our transgressions and was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yea, he pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when, he, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the, he shall see of the trivial, travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteousness servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities." Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spools with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many, and made 
intercession for the transgressors. When the time came for Jesus to submit, he did submit. He didn't open his mouth. He didn't defend himself because the time for that has passed. Peter is reminding the servants of that submission on the cross. He is reminding them that it had, the purp- it had a purpose. Jesus submitted in order to reconcile them and us and all people to God. I think he makes this point to remind them that their own unjust suffering and the hands of their masters had a purpose. Through submission to the unjust of his master, there is a possibility for the believing slave to be redemptive in the life of his master. Peter doesn't come out and say why exactly, but if we look at this in the context of the other relationships in this letter, uh, I think we can see why. I think we can see the that it truly is that that example that we we show to others that living uh, a life in the lot. Uh, Matthew five verse fourteen through sixteen says, "You are the light of the world. You know a city that is put on a on a hilltop cannot be hid." He said, "So let your light shine before men; they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven." And, and I think, you know, just to, to make this shorter, the, he urges them that no matter what their situation is, you have to be that light. You have to be the example. If the kingdom is not going to grow if you, if you give in to the body and you, you know, rile against your master, whoever that is, and just say, no, I don't agree with you. This is awful. You're a horrible person. You know, nobody is going to bring anybody to Christ in that manner. You know, it takes love. And it takes uh, a submission. You know, not necessarily submitting to the will of those others, but submitting yourself to the will of God. We go on in... uh, Chapter 3 and verse number 1, it says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the, by the conversation of the wives. While they, behold our, while they behold your chest conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning let it, let it not be that over... Outward adorning of plating of the hair and the wearing of gold out of the putting off on the apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. You know, Peter Peter adds in the way that uh here towards the end of the way that a person looks on the outside. And it's... The, the outward person isn't going to convince anybody. You know, it, it's the inward man that, that is going to be louder than anything. And I, I can't help but mention uh, Mr. Shields whenever I was speaking in Dozier. You know, he... 
he told me time again that, you know, the loudest thing that a person might hear is your actions. He said, no matter how many times you say something to somebody, they just might not get it. But your actions, he said, a lot of times they speak louder than words. You know, can they tell that you are a Christian? I believe is what Mr. Shields was, was trying to tell me at the time. A wife submitting to their husband. Uh, once again, being that example, being that example to their spouse, and and trying to trying to show them the the love of God. Proverbs twenty one nineteen says, "It is better to dwell in the wilderness, within the consciousness, and in and an angry woman." Uh, Fighting with your spouse, especially if they're a non-believer, is not going to help the situation one bit. You know, it, it just—it's it, not going to do it. You're not going to win, men. You're not going to win. Let me tell you that right now. Uh, angry words have never brought anybody to cross that I know of. For after this manner, in the old times, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husband. Verse 5 and 6 call their uh, minds back to the old times and the, the matriarch Sarah. It, it was not a new concept for, for Peter to, uh, to address this to his, uh, the Christians that he's writing this letter into. Uh, but to the remind them of Sarah and the the example that that she is and that she is to all of us still to this day on how we as Christians as as husbands and wives uh, should act. Trust in God. Don't be afraid to submit to your husband. And whenever I believe, whenever both husbands and wives both submit to to God. I mean, there, there's no difference. Verse number 7 of 3, it says, Likewise, ye husbands swell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Dwell with them according to knowledge. And... Right after that, he, he tells them how to do it. He says, not to think of yourself as better. You know, don't, don't think of yourself as headship to, to take advantage of it. And I believe that knowledge, that knowledge is talking about the knowledge that we receive from, from the Word of God. You know, that is the best way to lead. You know, is the, the constitution of marriage is a biblical constitution. You could go as far as saying that uh, what people have, if you take God out of marriage, they just have you just have two people that are dwelling together. Marriage, uh, it takes a husband and a wife, and it takes God, and that's about the only way it works. We I know a lot of people that uh, aren't Christians that are married, and they're they, I guess they have some they have morals. Of course, but I don't believe it is a true marriage. Uh, 
I believe that it, it truly does take, take God to make that marriage uh, strong and to make it work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right there. Uh, I believe the rest of this I get, needs to go along with some of the other verses that are in chapter 3. So I'll, I'll leave that with you. Uh, submitting and being that example, it's, uh, it's not an easy task. It, especially, you know, the... Uh, you know, uh, Aunt Becky told me one time that if it weren't for her tongue, she could accomplish great things. And... Uh, the tongue is sharper than any two-edged sword, and I believe that, especially for me, that get, my tongue gets me in a lot of a lot of trouble. You know, that's the first thing that I can associate with all the troubles that I've had in my life is I just would have kept my mouth shut. Things would have been a lot better. And uh, submission is, is not something that that is an easy task. You know, whenever, especially whenever you're in the right and and you're you're faced with people that are in the wrong. And to, to sit there and to submit to, their, to what they want to do and, and to continue to show them love and kindness uh, in those situations. And I believe that's what Peter uh, is telling his readers that they need to do. They need to submit and they need to show love and kindness to those that are around about them. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.